When I bring them on, the views go up and so do the comments. We're still talking Tupac on Breaking Into next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking Into. Diverse his music, actually. A lot of songs. You know, last time we played, uh, you know, Dear Mama, and it's like, he just has these, these songs that were either super hard or very soft and sweet and actually philosophical. He, he loved Don McLean. Oh, for American Pie. Yeah. There you go, yes. Well, the, the famous was American Pie. Was he was song. famous for that, but there was another song yeah. that Tupac liked. I can't remember the name yeah. of it. But they were yeah. both about as long. I'm sure American Pie went on forever. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Welcome to Breaking Into Here on Black Hollywood Live. I am your host, James Lott Jr. I'm so glad you can join me today. These two gentlemen, they're my, they're my buddies. And also, I like that when they come on, we have a good time. You guys really respond to them, so I brought them back. First, it was the book, Tupac 187. And last time we talked, we brought on his partner who wrote the book with him and talked more about what was going on in the whole Tupac mystery. Now we're back again for part three of this. It's going to be like an ongoing thing because you guys like Tupac and something's going on and they're on the trail. And they have I get to preview a documentary that they put together. Um, they'll be coming out, I guess soon we'll talk about that, what's going out. But first, let me introduce them to you, R.J. Bond and Michael Douglas Carlin. How you doing? Good to Hi. be here. Good to see you guys again. Um, Tupac, just he is just, I mean, ever present. And this year, especially, we're going to see him in Rock Hall of Fame, movies coming out. Isn't this great? It's fantastic. For you guys especially. Good Tupac year. Yeah. You must feel proud. Well, I think it's also there's a lot of interest in his murder right now. Mm-hmm. and 21 knows? years, right? Yeah. yeah. I think knows? Maybe we'll get a break in the case. I mean, a real break <sighs> that yeah. leads law enforcement to do something. I know, because I'm just like, 21 years, that's a long time yep. that it's not been solved. I think there's also a big zeitgeist going on right now in the entertainment industry. You're seeing more and more of these unsolved case shows mm-hmm. come up. I mean, there's yes. more and more. I just saw a couple of new ones mm-hmm. being advertised. Old cold cases, unsolved yes. cases. So there's yeah. really a public, if you read the media, there's a public outcry for digging back into these cases and finding out what happened. Well, it's funny because like, there's um, ID Channel. There's mm-hmm. one channel for sure that does a lot of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. They do reenactments and things too, but they do a lot of this kind of investigative stuff. I mean, at this point, how many years have each of you been, each of you been involved in this? I'm trying to think at this point. Well, I've been in it for three years. Three years. A lot longer. I've been in about 11 years. Wow. Yeah. 11 years in. So that's what I'm saying. So 11 years in, even three years in, I think that's a long time in some cases, that now, we, like I said, we're seeing... Tupac come back around again in terms of he's getting the accolades that he deserves. Mm-hmm. And the movie is coming out. How do you feel about the movie? Are you, have you have you had any seen? Have you seen any of it? Or I mean, I, I haven't seen any. You haven't seen any previews or anything. I've seen, I've seen previews really. either. I, I mean, I saw you know a trailer or yeah. two. And yeah, yeah. And you know, I we're all excited. Okay. We want to see. You know, you're gonna go. You're gonna go. You're gonna go see. Yeah, it. We're curious. Yeah, we're yeah. curious to see. Yeah. You know, and, and and of course you walk in there, admittedly. With a certain disposition, yeah, a certain yes. hat, you're looking at it through a different lens than I think a lot of people would be. It would be nice to go to a story that you could just sit back and <laughs> yes. take it all in and digest the information yeah. as it comes. But it's like, okay, let's get to this. Oh, wait a minute. This story be no, oh, wait a minute. What are they saying? So yeah. it really becomes a... Uh, um, uh, a different analysis when you go look at a movie. Well, I'll have you guys back after these like certain things come up and yeah. come back on the show like, and see what you guys think and compare it to what you guys... Because I, I forgot who's, who wrote it. I forgot who wrote it. Um, the Tupac movie. Oh, the movie was written by uh, Savage. That's right. Is he yeah. Savage? My buddy. Savage. Who I've had on the show. He was like my second or third guest on the show um, a year ago. Yes, I forgot. That's right. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he puts in, what is, what's left out. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's always the most exciting part, what's left out. <laughs> see what happens. Because so, I'm really curious to see what you guys think on the lens of this. Because you guys have been on this case for so long. You want justice for Pac. We, yep. want, we want to see arrests and convictions. Mm-hmm. And... It probably will never happen. Well, I keep asking you this. I mean, because everybody wants me to ask you this every single time you come on. Do you think the killers will be found? So I'll ask you just one more time. Do you think there's a chance they will be found? Well, I think we know who killed Puck. I okay. mean, I think we know. But will law enforcement do something? I don't think so. And why do you think they may not? Is it just, just too long now? They just I don't mean, care? I hate to say this, but it always comes down to the money. And, you know, when you have people that are involved in a murder that, you know, are part of a city or part of government, then you have liability. And when we start talking about the numbers, they're astronomical. I mean, 
you know, Tupac might have made a billion dollars in his life, and then you add triple damages, you're talking about a four billion dollar case. Yeah. If they if everybody yes. gets brought to justice. Yes. And just because the money, it's probably never gonna be solved. And his mom died last year, didn't she? She yeah. did. How'd you both feel about how did you feel about that? Well, I mean, of course sad. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I had a conversation with uh, the mother's attorney okay. before she passed. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, things started to add up to her, yeah. which was good. Yeah, yeah. But I was wondering, I just wondered for her, I mean, it was never solved in her lifetime, obviously. It must be really hard for her. Well, I, I think she actually got closure before oh, she good. passed. Good. I mean, I think she did. Good. So. Is that your feeling too, RJ, that she... Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, had met Athena on more than one occasion. Yeah, you know, yeah, so I'm saying, yeah. Went to the... I was just saying, how did you feel? Like, obviously, you must have been... I mean, obviously, you were sad, but it's like, wow. I mean, you, well, you were... the, I think that one of the... She was very good about handing out hugs. Um, she was just she was just that way with people. Aww, when she okay. greeted you, it was warmly. It was always yes. warmly. Yeah. And I remember the first time that I had met her was um, I went down to the... Uh, Stone Mountain facility, the Tupac Shakur Foundation. Yes, yes. And uh, they were having Tupac's first birthday celebration there at the foundation. Oh, okay. So it was, it was, was going to be an event that they were going to have every year, and we went to this first one. And uh, as we were walking through um, the group of people, Glow, who was Tupac's aunt, yes. um, Aunt Glow, uh, she asked me, would you like to meet a Feeney? And I said, absolutely. And um, I had a Tupac assassination poster, <laughs> yeah. and I wanted her to sign my poster. Yeah. So I actually, um, you know, said, "Yeah, I'd love to." And I got introduced, and when I got introduced, she actually started crying and threw oh. her arms around me. She knew me from my relationship with Frank Alexander, okay. who she had a good respect for, a healthy yeah. respect for. Yeah. And uh, they were friends, and and so it just immediately became okay. Okay. And that really gave me the, you know, kind of intestinal fortitude that you need to keep driving yeah. through some of these yeah. things. To know that the people that were the most affected by it appreciate what you're doing. That must be good. You know, that, yeah, that must be really good because you, know, you, you kind of got their blessing. Like yeah. They're just saying, yes, please continue doing this. And Yeah, yeah, and they may yeah. not always agree with your politics. Yeah, that's, that's they may not They may not agree with your conclusions or your politics, but they're appreciative that you're doing the work. And I'll put it out there. We're doing more work than a lot of people. And Frank Alexander used to say this all the time. We're doing more work than a lot of people who claim to love Pac ever did. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many of them are actually out looking for somebody right now? How many of them are putting out books or DVDs trying to figure out what happened? You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are just willing to accept the status quo and just, this, you know, get along, yeah. go along to get along. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're putting it out there. And there's, there's risk associated with that. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, it does make you feel good when the people who are the most affected by it, yeah. uh, you know, really appreciate what you do. Um, there are people, uh, like I said, I get a lot of views when you come on and comments. The first time you came out alone, RJ, it was funny because a lot, half the comments were just like, oh, he's crazy. Oh, my God, blah, blah. This time when you both came on, it was over, I would say it was 95% positive views, reviews and comments. Just like, keep going. You're on the, keep doing it. Somebody, somebody like I said, at least somebody's on the trail. At least somebody's looking into this. At least somebody's on the trail. Um, I believe that what he's, I believe what he's saying and I know what they're, what they're saying. I believe what's going on. And, and it was just, it was really interesting. I, I was for sure thinking, okay, here come the comments. And they were like, and so it's good to know that evolution, like you said, is starting to become like, we all now want to know what's going on. We want something to happen. Well, I think that there's, I know, and I've never quite figured this out. When was it not okay to be wrong? Right. When was it not okay right. to get new information and, and change your philosophical views yeah. on what you believe? Um, you know, that's that's what it comes down to is really what do you believe? And, you know, I put out two movies and we had a very pointed agenda mm-hmm. in the movies. And there was some allegations that were deferred to, sure, as yes. to, you know, Suge's responsibility and all of it. Yes. And later on, as you get more information, and Frank used to say this all the time, you know, when I see new information come in front of me, I can't ignore it. I have to address it. And if that changes something I may have said previously in a book or in a movie, it's okay. And when right. we talked to Gordon Martinez from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and several of really good detectives, Russ Poole included, they all said a good detective knows you can change your mind. It's okay. You follow something as long as you can. Yes. And when you get there, if it ain't, that's not right. Okay, guess what? We go back to the beginning and we start over. And, you know, you can branch five different ways. And that's really, I think, the, the, the true measure of it is, is we're not painting ourselves in any corners here. 
the leads are going to take us where they take us. Got it. And that's I think that's the the most important thing. So you know I'm still a little puzzled. You know because I, I hear it all the time. You know, well R J Bond's now saying this. Well he said this before. Well. It wasn't written in stone. Right, right. So, you know, so can you change your thing? Yes, right. but I don't think that it... I guess the biggest consolation that I've had is that it doesn't take away from all of your uh, pillars, all of the facts that are underlying it. It's where your conclusions are. It's not your facts. So we didn't change the facts. Nothing in any of the assassination movies, have the facts haven't changed. They've become clearer. Or they've become more fleshed out. But they still lead in a direction. All we do is just change the angle of what that direction is. Yeah. Now, folks out there, you guys just don't know what we're talking about. There is Tupac Conspiracy and Tupac Aftermath. I'll show you those two. Um, and there's a new one I got to watch. I got the preview. Tupac Assassination, Battle for Compton. A little over two hours. It was fascinating. I was like, I, I got home and I, I put it in and I was, look, I was looking at it I was like, oh, okay. And literally got engrossed in it and it was like, oh, I'm an hour in. Like, oh my God, this is really good. And you have interviews, you have clips. I mean, you just, you guys, I mean, I've seen in person, they have some of the, the papers and stuff, like you showing all that stuff and you're, you're really presenting everything. You're saying, here we go. This is what we have up to this point. This is what we have. We have these tape recorded. We have this. We have this interview. We have that. And people are just giving you their information. I just thought that was a fascinating documentary. Thank you. It was really, it was really well done. I mean, you really. I mean, if you talk about just like giving, giving what you have, you just gave, you gave it to them. You gave, you give it to us. It's yours. Well, I think one thing that we tried to do is we tried to show what was happening at the time mm-hmm. in law enforcement, and you know, they don't look good in this, in this documentary. No, they, <laughs> at all. They don't just look say good. that now. And, yeah. and you know, look, most of the cops that are out there, I think, are good cops. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So we we gotta we gotta preface everything. Yeah, I got come from a law enforcement family, and there's some great you know, people and, who are in it. Yes. You know what? I I have cop friends too, yes, and yeah. you know, you know, sometimes they they hit me up and they go, "Man, you're just bashing the cops." And <laughs> yes. I go, "Look, it's nothing personal about right. the cops, but you know, back in that era, the yes. money that could be made from people selling, forget that they forget oh, yeah. that, and they were doing it." I mean, there were a number of cops that dipped into things they shouldn't have, and it was kind of systemic. Mm-hmm. And when we start looking at it, That's you know, it's That's a great word. It is. You, you start looking at it, you've got Compton PD that gets shut down, yes. you've got the sheriffs, and then you got the whole mm-hmm. LAPD Rampart scandal, all mm-hmm. about that same era. Mm-hmm. It was. And I know. when you start to look at the murders in the context of the corruption, it starts to make a lot more sense. Right. It's not even a really conspiracy anymore at this point. It's like, it's like okay, these things almost basically link to this. This links to that almost just about. Was that your feeling? Uh, yes. I, I, because that was the one thing I thought we really hit it on point. I had actually somebody say that when they were done watching the movie, it, it, it just made sense. There was no shock. There was no yes. big reveal. It yes. was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it was almost like a shoulder shrug at the end, like, mm-hmm. you know, I get it now, okay. Mm-hmm. And and so that's good because there's not a lot of drama involved in no, it. You know, no. uh, when we, we were trying to do the workflow of this thing, I mean, we could have done a 10-hour documentary. I'm sure no, you, thing, you know. easily could yeah. have, yes. And and when you try to cut it down, oh, my gosh, our distributor was just, you got to get it under two hours. Right, you got to right, get it under two right, hours. And, and it, right. it took us almost an additional three months to decide <laughs> that we just weren't going to get it. Yeah. And, uh, and so when we got to a certain point in the project, we started to shuffle some things around a little bit from a narrative construct because... What we wanted to set up was this fast-moving river that it just starts to pick up momentum, and then Tupac and Death Row and everything, you just kind of throw them in the river, and it all carries down the same direction. Mm-hmm. So it really, uh, by the time the viewer's done, that's that's exactly how you should feel, that mm-hmm. that from the beginning to the end, it makes sense. I did, no, and it, it did, and for me it did. And also, like I said, also it did, like, say, it took the conspiracy out of it for me into more reality. It was like, oh, okay. When they present this in the documentary and they connect the dots and they show this, I'm like, oh, okay, that actually is a logical link. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense that way. Not like you like if someone says something and they say something else, you're like, that's so outrageous, why would they say that? Like, no, actually, you're like, here's the papers, and you show an interview of somebody saying something, and then you show that, and like, oh, okay, in a picture, you're like, there you go, now I got it. Well, it's important. it's important to, you know, we have a saying that we've been talking about, you know, uh, stop the talk, show the doc. Okay. And, you know, you where, where you know, there's a lot of people that make some pretty outrageous claims yeah, about course. what they, you know, about these cases, and you know, if they've got something to back it up, okay, great, back it up, right. show us. And, and so we took a lot of time to to put that information in there. I think the other thing that we did, and we, I thought we did a pretty good job of, was actually 
making it real about topics that people were just kind of talking about. For example, mm-hmm. if they were talking about death row being involved in money laundering. Right. What's that? What does that mean? What, right. For the layperson, they hear that, no, death yeah. row is money laundering, right. or they were being investigated for money laundering. What does that mean? Well, we tell you. Let's, talk, let's break it down. What does mm-hmm. it mean? So that once you understand it, once you understand what's happening, then the chain of events makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I think that the the biggest thing that, that that I liked about what we did with the movie was that both the Tupac and Biggie cases, it's very easy and very convenient to be myopic about them. Mm. Okay, it's very easy to look at each case on its own yeah. in a vacuum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if you basically pull it up to thirty thousand feet and look at both of them down like that, then you're you're liberated. Oh yeah, okay. because there's much more context involved, mm-hmm. and that, and I think that's been the handicap of both cases. Oh uh, yeah, okay. You look at it in a vacuum. Okay, well, too, there was a fight at the you know MGM Grand Hotel with, between right. Tupac and, and Orlando right. Anderson. Okay, well, why did that happen? Right. Well, if you know anything about Tupac's history or Tupac's past, suddenly there's some relevance to yes. that, and suddenly it doesn't seem so out of the ordinary. It doesn't right. seem so outrageous, and I think that's really what that. what we came down to was that mm-hmm. you, while the acts of themselves may have been outrageous, the story itself is not outrageous. Right. You know, that's, and I know I agree with that. I think, and that's and I say because people. You know, your detractors would say so they're just they're just you know stretching for things. They're looking for straws, and and you know they're lying or whatever. It's like, well, no. I mean, you're showing you're seeing, especially in this documentary, and you've done it on the show. You're showing actual pieces of documentation. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not a joke. It's like it's like it's really you're showing like this is what this is what so and so said in that deposition. This is what so and so said. Like it's all there. All right. Well, let's talk about like for example, right now. Did you hear about the the. Um BMW that was being sold uh, for a million and yeah. a half dollars, the, the Tupac death car. Yes, is yes right? that was a big news, okay. yes. Well, back in 2014, when we were doing some research on the white car, the white yeah. know, Cadillac, and we were trying to find that and that whole thing, when we were doing that, we actually started to look into the BMW and what wow. might have happened to it. Okay. And we researched and pulled the... the um, there's a lot of websites, a lot of places you can get information okay. from the DMV and all oh, that okay. on yeah. a car. If you know the VIN number, and we did. Because oh, we yeah, had, the VIN number. We yeah. had all the, all the investigative yeah. paperwork, so we had the VIN number. Yeah, yeah. And we pulled it up, and I'm here to tell you that something's wrong with whatever whoever's putting that uh, out for sale. There's some discrepancies there because they, they said that the uh, BMW had like 96,000 miles on it or something. Uh, when, back in 2014, it had over 126,000 oh. miles on it. So, I don't know, you make that what you yeah, will. Exactly, but, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah but, at the, but see, that's the point. Once you get the documents, once you understand and get the facts, you can actually call a lot of bluffs, and that's yeah. the thing. You can't just go out there and say, well, they're, that's a shady deal, or they're not being honest, or you know, this, yeah. that, and the other. Uh, you, have to, you have to back up what you say. Yeah. And and you know for being accused of not being doing due diligence, I think that's still one of my favorites. <laughs> well, yes. and, and you look at the documents that we have. I mean, we have all of Russell's case files. Yeah. We have uh, death row records, bankruptcy files. We have uh, secret recordings that were recorded right. by Frank Alexander when his life was being threatened. Oh, yeah. And you know those things are all very revealing. Yeah. And, and yeah. you just add to it. I mean, just literally thousands of other things that we've pieced together. And we've got terabyte after terabyte of information. And, you know, it all starts to paint a pretty, yeah. you know, convincing picture. And then add to that a confession letter. Yeah. And literally you have this case that really just starts to line up. God, yeah. And so we, we see what happened. And I got a chance to talk to a Beverly Hills cop a few times. Oh, wow. And he told me all about the uh, LAPD cops that were working off-duty for death row records that he kept encountering at that time. Wow. And they kept flashing their badge and their gun in his face. And, and, you know, Beverly Hills cops don't like that stuff. And, you know, they didn't want the death row folks in Beverly Hills. No, they're sure not, I'm sure. And they didn't want the off-duty cops there. And, you know, there's so many people that are saying... Oh, the cops never work for death row records, and it's just you know, it's it's all a fabrication. They there were a lot of cops that worked off duty because it was it was yeah. good side work. Yeah, it was. And you know, and cops aren't rich. Oh, you don't know what you I don't know what you think people think they make, but they're not like rich. I mean, sometimes so you, know, you move up, you kind of can make some money, but like you're just a cop. You're not making no money. Well, that's what the movie the movie starts off that way. They, yeah. What was affecting death row records, or what became death row records? was organic. 
Mm. I think, you know, I mean, we didn't invent corruption. No, right, Los right, Angeles, right. Rampart did not invent right. police corruption. Right, exactly. Compton did not invent right. police corruption. Right. You know, that came up with the drugs. That came yes. up through there. I mean, there was always corruption. But, but you know, you yeah, know sure, but it yeah. became much more exacerbated at the time because the drugs yes. and the money were just so outrageous. Everything was just, you know, volume to 11. God, I so, know. I remember those days, you know. Yeah. So, so the, starting the movie, we, we took a precedent to say, Let's bring corruption up. Let's show how corruption started. Let's bring it up yeah. and, and make that point that, you know, death row records, I mean, what do you get when you have a toxic foundation? Right. You know, you have a toxic bed of, uh, of material. What grows from that? Yeah. You know, right. and then you get that toxic growth. Well, it's, what's interesting is that, you know, people out there may forget, you know, we're talking, you said, we're talking 21 years ago, 20 years ago, 18, 15 years ago. Things were different. <laughs> I don't think it's flashing off and on. I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I know that too. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, but no, it's, it's definitely uh, it's a different time period. So the, the, the police department, it was obviously, it was it's well documented all everywhere. It was a little corrupt. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, and the Rodney King thing happened in 92, and it was corrupt before, it was corrupt then. And it's just like, there's a lot of things that people forget that, you know, Los Angeles had some problems back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That were actually widely known. And most of us out in, I lived in the hood, most of us lived in the hood, we knew about it, mm-hmm. but no one wanted to hear us because we're in the hood. So they want to hear you guys. You guys, just, you guys are just criminals in the hood. But like, we would see it all the time and we would know it and of course you got to see it obviously doing research in this and going wow it's even at a higher level than even what we knew in the hood we knew that the regular low level cops were, were something else but you even found out higher than that mm-hmm. as you were doing this stuff it's like oh my god the corruption goes higher and higher and higher and it does books, and it, yes. you know and it surrounds I mean, you it, it affects everything it touches mm-hmm. because you can't be you know Compton was almost like a donut hole yes everything that was happening in in Los Angeles County with the sheriffs and operations I grew up over there I know and, yes yeah and and the Long Beach cops and, yes. And, yes. And, and all of the yes. different pockets of corruption that were already being investigated mm-hmm. even if Compton hadn't been corrupt right. you can't stay away from it you can't avoid it because it's going to go in there well, and, we yeah. also, L.A. is very, all the cities are together. I mean, yeah. We're all just like... The gateway the, cities. The gateway cities, we're all together, so you're right. It's going to spill over just regardless. Well, and why does a city that's 10 square miles mm-hmm. need six police helicopters? Yeah, well, why? Yeah. I mean, it, it I really begs the question. Well, no, I know, and I know. We, we know what was going on yeah, there. I mean, course. let's face it. And they call it the Hub City. What a great place to set up your distribution of narcotics. Mm-hmm. From the hub city, mm-hmm. and you can just yeah. those helicopters. What you're gonna you're gonna pull somebody over up there in, right. the, in the sky? No, with the drugs. You right. know you're not gonna pull them over. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I grew up with those helicopters all the time, so I know. <laughs> I still have still in my neighborhood still, but you know it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, probably not as much. Because, not as much. There's yeah. not as much. Yeah, and I was growing up with a lot when I was growing up. We we're talking seventies and something. It was a lot, and so yeah, I must by that like yeah, it's a perfect, perfect way to do it. Yeah, no one would suspect a thing. Oh yeah. Like, why not? And, still, and so people think it doesn't happen. It does happen. It did happen. Like, this is not stuff that we're just, like, making up. It's like, this stuff did go on. Well, one of the things that we were able to look at is the Compton Police Corruption Report. Okay. Okay, that was commissioned. How to get that? Your hands yeah, on that. You know what? And, and I have to say... <laughs> you're like, what's guy, your hands uh, on that? guy in the back of a truck oh, okay. somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I dug and dug and dug wow. and couldn't find that. I, I went to the Compton Library. I okay. went to the City Hall. I mean, I would, you know, and nobody wanted to share that report. Oh, I'm sure they didn't. Well, the one, and, the one newspaper that actually reported about it, we, we were aware of it, yeah. of its existence, mm-hmm. because the Compton, I think it's Compton Bulletin, Okay. Had done an article about it in very broad strokes, okay. and then got firebombed. Wow. So yeah, and that was the last time that was ever mentioned. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. <laughs> that was the last time they said anything about oh, that. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah. But so, you know what? We managed to get our hands on it, and you know, it details god. some crazy stuff, and it god. intersects with death row records in the actual Compton Police Corruption Report. I believe it. Yeah. Well, completely. Well, okay, this, and we talk about this all the time, too, when you come on. Because it makes you just, I mean, again, I'm just amazed because you're entering territory, like literally and figuratively, where you have these cast of characters who are unsavory on some level. I'm trying to be polite. Um, and you guys just are fearlessly in there. I know I bring up every time. It's like, to me, I'm just so amazed how you guys get reports like that. You go you go into Compton. I don't go to Compton that much. And you go into Compton, and you're getting this, these, these really classified details. And you could, things could happen to you if you did it. 
Anything yeah. could happen to you guys. I, I went to uh, I went to Compton. I, I made a documentary about uh, Suge Knight. It's called uh, Larger Than Life: The okay. Suge Knight Story. And I and I actually went and sh- shot at Tams. Oh my God! Yeah, I went Tams, there. Tams. You know, like you know, a few weeks later from when the, his event happened. Yes. But same time, same yes. day. You know, and I went there with a bodyguard, and I. And I was and I was shooting video, yes. and uh, you know I was getting in people's faces saying, "Hey, could you tell me what happened here? Can you?" <laughs> and they started flipping out. They were like, "Get that camera out of my face!" Oh, I'm Get sure. That camera out of my face. I'm sure. And I was there about twenty, thirty minutes, and okay. the bodyguard had had backed into you know the, the the driveway, you know, into the parking lot, and so he was at the ready, and he was a former neighbor, former okay. Navy SEAL, okay. you know, with a satchel, and you know, he okay. was, he was okay. armed. Okay, good. He came over to me about twenty minutes in, and he goes. You know what, man? It's time for us to leave. We need to leave. Wow. And, and I looked around, and there were cars starting to show up. Oh and my were God! Starting to walk over and, yeah, oh yeah, did. that's the hood. And no, I, no, no, I, no, that's I know. Hood. And you, you're like you're there. Like no. I'd be scared. I'm gonna be shared shitless. I'd be like, okay, I gotta go. Well, no, and we did. We left. And, oh and this God. is a guy who's like fearless, right. telling me that it's time. Yeah, to it's go. time to go. Wait. So you know, you, you kind of you pay attention. You I find try. that Sunday mornings work very well early Sunday in the morning morning's. because <laughs> you, you get in there if you want to shoot shots of Compton City Hall yeah. or the the hub in that area. Uh, you tend to go to the plaza. Early on oh, a Sunday funny. morning, okay. you know, when sun's coming up, yes. and uh, you, you people get are still sleeper, you know, right. or exactly, yeah. they're still shaking it off from the night. Before. Yeah, I was shaking the night before. Yeah. That's so yeah. interesting. Because I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I just admire you guys for like there are places I don't even go, kind of, or would would dare to talk shit night, like I would dare to do anything. I mean, I'd be so nervous. Well, I want to say something because I really want to pass this on to people that are that 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 are paying attention and watching the show. Okay, we have had a tremendous outpouring of respect and love from a lot of people in areas that I would have never wow. have expected that kind of a greeting. Um, yeah. We've gone to areas like, you know, 77th Street downtown, yeah. you know, right off of Main and 77th oh, yeah, Street, right in that area. And it was Taco Tuesday. We did some interviews and then we got out the tacos and everybody had a great time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and but, but Kiss, I think you can't make up a narrative that's false in its nature and not hurt people. Yes, and there that's true. are a lot that's true. of people who have been indirectly punished uh, for a particular narrative. Yeah. So if you are there and your agenda is honest, and we were just talking about this, Russ Poole used to say it all the time. If you're generally an honest person, even the bad guys will treat you with respect. That's true. You're, that's you're honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try to get over, then they also think, well, I can get over on him because he's sure. doing it to me. Um, we have found, just like I said, a, a great deal of respect from from groups of people that we would have never have done. But I think it's because we have a mutual interest, and that is getting to the bottom of things. Because I think they believe in these groups, these people we've talked to, that if yeah. we get to the bottom of it and we're right, that vindicates them to a large degree. Right. So, so there's, right. I mean, even if yeah. there's a vested interest, I don't care. Whatever gets you through the night. If right. we're in there and we're going to shoot an interview with Freeway Ricky Ross... Yeah. In the middle of 76th Street downtown, yeah. uh, you know, we want to do our work, we want to go, but it's nice if the people yeah. there, and they were so gracious. And okay, nice. it was just good. It was awesome. So, you know, just in the areas, we just got a call about Long Beach the same way. Oh, wow. That, that uh, Long Beach is showing us some love and, and said, you, know, you guys need to come down to that area. No problem. But so. that is true. That is true. I mean, there, there is a certain odd code with people who like are like, if you are really down with it and everything, they will completely support you. Well, I'll get you a good example. Yeah. Chris Blatchford was a great example of that. Chris Blatchford, of course, you know, he was the one who ultimately gave us the copy of the confession letter and kind of yes. sent us on part of this journey. Yeah. But uh, Chris was worked the beat in Compton for Fox News, and he worked wow. it for twenty something years. He knows Suge Knight's parents. He knows everybody, wow. there, and he's worked that and because he was a news reporter he wasn't political he wasn't taking oh, sides right, he was right. neutral he had an amazing ability to get in and out of that that and and exist in that whole area yeah, yeah. and they all treated him with a great deal of respect we've talked to both crips and bloods east side west wow. side upside down they <laughs> they you know they all respect yeah. Chris, and they all had that. Got it. Yeah. So we do have a little bit of that. Kind of, you put the journalist hat on, even during yeah. you know wars and incursions, the journalists are generally treated with some respect yeah. because all we're trying to do is just vet it out. We're right. trying to get down right. to the bottom of it. Make sense? Right. Yeah. It does make sense, actually. I mean, no, it totally makes sense. I'm just like, 
again, I'm saying the physical aspect of being there and talking about it and picking. You have a subject where people oh, have gotten hurt. It gives my wife heartburns. It gives my wife heartburns. Oh, I'm sure. Like crazy. No, I'm sure. Because, I mean, the people have been killed and people have disappeared and people have things have happened because of anybody associated with this gangster rap thing mm-hmm. back in the day. Like, now it's much more softer now. I mean, nobody's like. But back in the day, of course, and all those folks, they have people who begat people who are still holding that area down. Mm-hmm. That must be just really interesting for you guys to come in there and just be like, we're journalists. We, wanna, we, wanna, we actually are on your side if you're part of this whole journey. We're on and, your side. You know, I think this also kind of is relevant for what's happening today. You know, we had the, the police that were shot in Dallas, yes. Texas. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things Russell told me was he said if he busted somebody and it was an honest, righteous bust, he never had to worry about retribution mm. from anybody in the hood. You know, he'd sit down with them. They'd say, you know what, I, I you know, obviously I was doing yeah. something wrong and yeah. you caught me. And so you got me fair and square yeah. and I'm going to go do my time. Right. If a cop planted evidence on somebody um, now it's a different yes. deal we've changed the rules yes. and so now it becomes our gang against their gang just like you know crips and yeah, bloods yeah. or or even competing sets of yeah. bloods or competing sets yeah. of crips yeah. you know so the rules of engagement then change and i think mm. there's a lesson there yes. for law enforcement and if we get back to community policing and honest cops getting yeah. honest busts I think the whole game goes back to reset, and now, now we have you know, now we have a solution yes. to something that's really vexing society today. Well, it's a question I have for you guys because is the LAPD better in these days in terms of, in your opinion, the- I, I I honestly think that most of the cops that are at LAPD are fantastic. Okay, and then I think there are elements yeah. that are inside and we know it we yeah. know that I'm sure you, know, you do know I mean you know it I'm sure we know it from the, the leak of the confession letter we know it from you know what's going on with the sheriffs we yeah. know and you know I, I mean there's residual yeah. you know yeah. corruption takes, and it needs to be swept out yeah it takes years to Undo, cycle yeah. out well to cycle out anything yeah. it's like when you wash a bloody towel you know you may have to wash it two or yeah, three times yeah. it doesn't wash out immediately yeah. And so a lot of people have to retire. When you talk about risk, I think the bigger risk, rather than going into these areas that are so dangerous, is that half of the people that we're talking about actually are still working. They're still in positions of power in these different law enforcement organizations or have just recently retired. And, and, you know, when you talk about risk, that's the risk. I mean, you're driving down, if they know your plate Uh, number, you're driving down the road and, oh, you know, know, that's R.J. Bond. Oh, wait a minute, we know who he is. Yes. So, you know, I think there, but I would agree with Michael's assertion that that most of the cops that that we deal with, you know, they're just hardworking guys. They, yeah. you know, they go home. Yeah. Uh, you know, they 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 have a family. They're interested in making it out safe that day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. One day at a right. time. Right. And and they're they're good people. Um, but I think that that the corruption hasn't left yet because a lot of them who were involved in that kind of racket back in the day. It, now it's a matter of protecting that secret. Now okay. it's a matter of okay. of making sure that when they're gone, they're gone, and that goes with them. Yes, so sense. when you start sticking your arm up and saying, "Hey, wait a minute, weren't you yeah. the guy that yeah. nobody hate? Nobody likes that. Nobody does. Nobody like likes that. that. Weren't you the guy that did it? You know." So right. I, I think that that's 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 a challenge, even in a movie like this. Well, that makes sense. And, that makes sense. And you see it with Jim McDonald right now. Mm-hmm. Jim McDonald just sent a list over. Or he wanted to send a list over of 300 corrupt officers oh in the sheriffs that exist right uh, now. And the Police Protective League stopped him from sending the list to the DA's office. Of and so, you know, what does a guy like Jim McDonald do? He knows he's got corruption in his department and he can't is, do anything done about it. He can't do anything about it because they're going to stop him. And, you know, I think part of what citizens and, and Tupac fans need to do. You know, it's time to just let's sweep this out. If yeah. somebody needs to take an early retirement, let's push them out. Okay, that's and, right. And let's bring in good people yeah. that want to that want to be the honest cops. Yeah. And let's replace them because yeah. that's how we solve the problem. I can agree with that. I guess I, I agree with that one. I think one of the points that, and I don't remember that it's in the documentary, but it was certainly something that was brought up to us a few times was that a lot of the police hiring standards changed, oh, and yeah. and the hiring standards changed. 
that they started allowing people that had gang affiliations, people that yeah, had that yeah. that that type of background in, because technically they hadn't committed a crime. No, it's not a crime it, to belong to a right. gang. It's just Te- not. Just so you know. Yeah, technically, okay, right. Yes, but uh, but because they hadn't committed a crime, they would pass the background check, oh. become police officers. And LAPD has always had a long history of this. I know yeah. my my father was on the LAPD. Oh, okay. And, okay. and he used to say, my grandfather was too. And wow. He used okay. to, he used to say that the LAPD during your probationary period would always put you in the area closest to where you grew up or where you lived oh, because you know that area better than anybody else. Oh, yes. So so you're kind of familiar with where all the back alleys are. Yes, yes. And, and it makes a lot of sense, except for that when you apply that to somebody who has a gang affiliation background, yes. all you're doing is putting the you know the wolves over oh, the henhouse at that like, point. Oh, I know. So so I you know I've been recently thinking that that maybe it's not a bad idea. You know they do federal background checks for handguns and that, and I think maybe what we should do for law enforcement is set up some sort of a a federal standard that you know for example. I know that when I worked with the FBI on the CODIS project, mm-hmm. I had to go and qualify for a secret clearance, which oh, okay. is one of your lower level government clearances. Oh. I just spilled on Michael. Yay! Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a it's a wrap. It's a wrap. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's, 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 so far, it's a small. I only need a little water. It's only water. It's only water. That's okay. Um, I'm sorry, Michael. So good. Here, hold on. Yeah, exactly. hold on. No, no, your Come turn. It's it. like a spit take. So it's fine. No, um, we don't roll that way. <laughs> so one of the things that I had to get yeah. a secret clearance. Yes. And, um, but that was just to do computer work. Yeah, yeah. What if police officers had to do the same diligence that when you yeah. work for the federal government, you had to get a secret or a top yeah. secret clearance where they check your credit, where they check yes. you and they go, they knock on your neighbor's doors and they find out about your, you know, your dealings and that. I think that that's kind of been the problem. I think that, mm. that there's a certain level of standard that's not there yes. that if we made it a national, if you're going to be a law enforcement official, yeah. Maybe there should be some federal standards. I mean, they're trying to yeah. work that out with concealed carry permits and things right. like yeah, that. Right, yeah, I know that, yes. Yeah, and so why not do that when you enter law enforcement? Why should it be if you work for, you know, let's take a small town in yeah. rural America, yeah. Opie and Andy are there, and, you know, you're, you're friends with Opie's brother, and you seem to be a good guy. Okay, you can be a cop, right. too. Right, Well, that cop that you can be a cop transfers into the big city, mm. and it's kind of a handshake yeah. Partnership. Yeah. So, you know, I think that once we start to set up some standardization on how we recruit, how we train, yeah. how we look for law enforcement, I think you'll start to see that a lot of these guys wouldn't have made the cut. Wow. That's, that's actually a scary thought, kind of, because they're on. These made, they made the cuts. Mm-hmm. So they're out there. Well, that's how McDonald knew about the 300 cops. I mean, you yeah. got to put some standard against it. You have to right. say, give me a list of guys that have had convictions in the last, you know, so many years of, of XYZ wow. or ABC. And you, you find that delta. God. I mean, 300's a lot of cops. That's a lot of cops. It really, yeah, it's a lot of cops. You know, I, I would just add this to um, the Beverly Hills cop that I talked to. He said, you know, we don't have these problems in Beverly Hills. Okay. And I was like, okay. And, I, you know, I'm, now I want to I know why. Yeah, why? It's said, a nice station. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm like, oh my god! Like, I thought it was a library. First, the library's nearby. But I was like, this is really nice over here in jail. Like, I don't want to commit a crime here. Yeah, it's right. Nice. Exactly. It's too nice. I was like, it's too nice over there. I know, I know that jail. Well, and and he said, he said we police our own. And so he said, when there's a cop here that shows up and we start to see things we don't like, you know what? It's time for that cop to go hit a different okay. department, and okay. we push him out. Okay, and we police our own. And I think you know that's kind of what needs to happen in law well, enforcement. Yes. Yep. The cops need to police their own. And when they see somebody, you know, grab an extra fifty, or, right. or you know, we, the little things that happen, right. or all of a sudden you got somebody who's working a lot of off-duty shifts, yes, and you know they got unexplained wealth. It, it's time to just push that person. Yeah, out, that's true. You know. Yeah, well, that's it. You that's know, that they we in the movie we talk about. You know, I think one of our uh, one of our um, investigators in the federal level talked about a case where the deputy that was part of the infraction and actually had done. The theft of money yeah. and taking money didn't belong to him, but he buried it in his backyard. <laughs> and he said, "You're right in the fact that I stole, I took the money, but I never made personal use of it oh, because I didn't feel comfortable oh doing that." And so he said, "I did take four hundred and fifty thousand oh dollars. Would you like to see where I buried it?" Oh 
And of course, the feds went with him and they dug the hole. And sure enough, every single dollar was there. He hadn't spent a dollar of it, but he said, I did not feel comfortable crossing my fellow officers or objecting to that because then suddenly I'm the squeaky wheel. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, he didn't. He didn't spend it. He didn't do anything. He just, he just took it. Not, and he went to jail, and he did his jail time for that. Wow. But he told the prosecutors, you're right in the fact that I stole, but you're correct in the fact that I used it for my own personal gain. I did not. I took every dollar, wow. and I buried it in the backyard. That's so interesting. I mean, it's just, it's just to me, it's like the people who are in charge, who, who are here to police us and look out for us, there's stuff that's just not good. Well, and unfortunately, too, you get a criminal defense attorney Uh-oh. who now uh, has the ability to start turning the system against itself. Yes. And you get very bad things that happen. Wow. And, and that happened. I mean, that happened 100% in this case. And my, uh, you know, me finding out about corruption goes all the way back to Mexico. Okay. I, I spent time with a former federale. Wow. And one day, he was telling me all about American corruption, and I looked at him and I said, uh, you're not talking about America, right? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'm talking about America. And I go, oh, there's no corruption well, there in America. Right there, I mean, certainly. And he laughed at me. Yeah. He laughed, and he goes, he, he was talking about a bridge that they had built underneath a river in the oh. middle of nowhere by wow. Rio Grande. Okay, okay, down, okay, down there, okay, yes. And so, you know, they, they were able to actually take vehicles across... Oh, yeah. In this in this place, there's no fence or anything. Yeah. And he goes, "Who do you think collects the drugs on the other side of this river?" And I said, "Well, I mean, certainly it can't be anybody official, because <laughs> you know I was naive about it." Yeah. And he laughed. He goes, "No, it's the sheriff." He said, yep. "The sheriff comes down there and picks up the drugs." I believe it. And you know, I mean, we're talking about so much I know, money. I know. I mean, that's the Money thing. we can't even, like, I can't even comprehend, I know. I can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend how much money right. we're talking about. We're not talking about groceries. No. We're not talking <laughs> about a down payment on a house. No. We're not talking about a house. We're talking about so much money that it would change your life for generations. And when you and, start to look at that, you yeah. go, okay, well, let's see. Kids Who wants college. a piece of that? Yeah. Right, no, right. Yeah. Seriously, you know? I'm, I'm like, hello. I'm yeah, like, I'm, if they're throwing money, yeah, I'll take some. Yeah, I'll get some Yeah, we'll get some Why not? It's a drop in the bucket for somebody who has that much money. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about big money, oh and and you know, that's it's, it's just amazing. I and mean, they said as you guys go further, right? I get a documentary too. Again, you talk to some great people, you got them to talk. We, last time you were here, you explained how you people to talk, but you got you gained their trust. They were talking to you. You had clips of people were talking. It just it was such a it added to the documentary to see people who were involved out of their own words. Well, say so because you can tell us what they said, but actually seeing it for me, it was like, oh, okay, so and so said that. Okay, it made more sense too. The truth wants to come out. Yeah. The truth is bubbling up, and even people that were involved in this have slipped up and they've said things they yeah. shouldn't have said. And you know what? When they do, and we find out about it, yeah, you know, we, we have a duty to put it out there, and we oh, have. I love it. I, love it. Yeah, I mean, we have ahead. a we have a uh, um, I think. One of the things that's really, really important, um, and I wanted to address this because we've had a couple of advanced screeners that have gone out, and some people have had some great mm-hmm. comments back. Um, there's been talk that this Tupac assassination movie isn't really about Tupac, and it's not really about Biggie, and it's really not about the murder investigations. It's more about police corruption, and that's not true. Okay. Because, and I want to put that out there, when you buy this DVD or you go rent it on on demand or whatever, you're going to find out about the investigations of you Biggie will. and you Tupac. You Would will. you not agree with that? There's, I do. I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's not about, I'm just saying, the police don't, like, I'm just saying up there, the police don't look good in it, but they're not, it's all about them. And No, but, that, yeah. but, but again, because that plays a part of yes. what happened and it in itself explains why yeah. certain events happened the way that they did. Uh, I just I was a little heartbroken when yeah. somebody said, "Oh well, you're not really trying to figure out who killed Tupac." Well, that's not true. No, we are, but sometimes you have to get perspective. Wouldn't and, that be- and what we've done yeah. is we've identified an escalating pattern of behavior. Got it. And when you see the behavior, you understand the murders in a new mm. context. Yes. And that's what we've identified. Okay. An escalating pattern of behavior. Yeah, okay. And I think that, that you know, I met with our sound engineer when we first mixed this. Dog. Okay. This is a great story. Okay. And he says, 
I said, what'd you think? And he says, well, he says, actually, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated because you don't just come out and say who did it. And yes. I said, then you get it. Right, no, right. But you do. You get it. Because right. the frustration in both of these cases for us, even maybe for the police, mm-hmm. the ones who really want to investigate it, yeah. is that there is so much background noise in terms of what they call the official narrative and the, the information that's being put out. Yes. And that volume is so loud and it's so overwhelming and it's so easy to digest. Yes. That until that gets recognized for what it is. Yes. You can't, you'll never get any further with anything else. It doesn't matter. We could say the Patton's did it, or we could say Little Half Day did it, or we could offer up 10 different alternative explanations as to what happened. But the the movie, the concept of this movie, and the takeaway I hope people get is that until that is removed, until that official narrative, which is primarily a bunch of lies, once that is removed, then we will have progress to be able to move forward with whatever direction Mm. the investigation goes. But if you're constantly running up against this barrier and this noise, and the noise is so overwhelming, how does anybody get any other information there? Now, with this this new documentary, so when is it coming out? Uh, 10th. Okay, so the 10th, you guys three will be coming out. Three days. And where can people find it? Everywhere. Yeah, gonna be, gonna be I everywhere. mean, everywhere. It's, it's, um, it's on on-demand, uh, cable on-demand. All the major carriers are carrying oh, it. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, iTunes, Amazon.com, oh, Netflix. Okay, I mean, it, it, it's literally gonna be yeah, everywhere. everywhere. And we are internationally releasing it as well. So it is on the Amazon UK, okay. Amazon Japan how does it feel for you guys? I mean, you started out the book, you know, you started the book, and then you came in, and everything. So to have this third movie out, how does it feel? Like it's like you feeling like this time we got it. It's just that now we got to wait for it. I didn't real life something to happen, or well, I mean, we we really always wanted an investigation to happen, mm-hmm. and you know, Chaos Merchants was was Russell yeah. and I working on trying to get an actual investigation, and the DA's yeah. office was interested, and. You know, we thought we were going to have traction. Wow. I, I mean, as as great as it feels to have a book and then yeah. a follow-up book and then yeah. now a movie, I'd be more satisfied if we actually were able to Solve get traction from, yeah. from anybody inside wow. of law enforcement. Wow. I mean, to the point that there's one person in particular that, that I've thrown up to Las Vegas, to LAPD, yeah. to the sheriffs, and said, you guys just need to, inter- in, you know, you need to interview this one person. Yeah. And nobody wants to do it. You know, for me, it's uh, not only everything that Michael just said, but for me, you know, this is 11 years. Yes, for you. Oh, my God, I've, yes. I've, I lost one of my closest friends from it. You know, Russ, yeah. Russ passed away as well. Yeah, yeah that's you know, right. Frank Alexander right. died. Michael Moore died right after him. Yeah. Uh, and these were people that I knew. These were people that, yeah. that I dealt with on a daily basis. Wow. And and this journey that when when we agreed to do the third one and people just had this hang up about trilogies I don't know what they it did is do. it's like oh, yeah, here's the third part of it now yeah, we got now we got the box set right yes but, exactly exactly but when but but Michael and I agreed that we'd try to bring the whole house down with this one yeah. that if there was something to be said we were going to make sure that we it's, got yeah. that it's all out there yeah. so to hear you say that that was your takeaway mm-hmm. makes me feel great yeah. because it's all cards on the table let's just you know, get it feels all like out it's, it's exactly what it feels like it's just like I'm going to present all this to you, and you can look at it, listen to what I'm saying, and decide for yourself. But yep. chances are you're going to decide what I'm, what I'm showing you is correct. Yeah. Well, we know about. what happened. Right. But we just yeah. can't get anybody that, because of money, I mean, it's it always comes down to the money, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it does. And now you look at the city of Los Angeles, virtually broke. As we're voting for a mayor, I think, today. Mm-hmm. Just kind yeah, of right. ironic, ironic because you're here today, yeah. but it's an election today. Today's election day, and yeah. uh, and you know we're broke as yeah. a city. Yeah. We don't have four billion dollars that we can pay out to the Wallace estate yeah. for the murder of Christopher Wallace. We just don't have <sighs> it, and so it's never going to get solved officially. And I think it's up to the fans now to, to put yeah. pressure on people. Look, there's a new president. Whether you like him or you don't yeah. like him, there's a new attorney general. You know what? I do think this president maybe wants to start looking into things. Wow. And you know what? Hey, I welcome it. 
And, you know, and and speaking of the new president, I mean, I I sat down with somebody who was disparaging. I said, look, man, it's like we're on a plane. Yeah. He's the pilot. (laughs) Let's not take shots at the pilot while he's flying. He is the pilot. And if you want to put somebody else in that pilot seat, I got it. Go do it. (laughs) But while he's in that pilot seat, maybe we can get some traction. Maybe we can, you know, we can put pressure on he likes Twitter. What if all the Tupac fans started tweeting and started saying to That's Donald true. Trump and just saying, hey, That's you know, true. you're on Twitter, dude. Do something about this. I always tell people, also always tell people if anything, strength in numbers. If anybody came together and super tweeted something, you know, would be powerful. Anything, anything come out of it. Well, I think that Mo Prem, Mo Prem, uh, Tupac's brother, really did put it out there. And he talked about how there was just no real due process for yeah. Tupac. There really wasn't. And and that's sad. That's a sad commentary about our state of legal mm-hmm. affairs. That mm-hmm. that somebody it doesn't matter who it is. Somebody right. is not getting due process. They, I know. they they weren't getting investigated the right way. Their death wasn't <sighs> really investigated. And you know, and and that's a sad thing. And until people say, okay, that's enough, it it won't, it won't change. It well, won't. I'm sure. And you know, we we talked. We may have talked about this last time mm-hmm. too. You know, I like to go to bed at night feeling comfortable. That mm-hmm. there are law enforcement good people that have my back yes. at night, and that yes. the reason the bad guys stay out of my backyard is because there are consequences to that yes. action. Because I don't want to think of a society where that would not be true. Yes. I just don't want to think about that. So it's easier to not address the issue of corruption. Mm-hmm. It's easier to kind of turn a blind eye towards, uh, you know, it's not my problem. It's not right. my backyard. Right. It's not my problem. It's those people in Compton have that problem. Um, you know, people do that, but that's why it's a hard sell. Yeah. Because you have to ask the public to consider an alternative that's inconvenient. Okay. I understand that. Makes sense. I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and you know, back to the, the whole FBI thing. I mean, you know, the FBI, one of the documents we have talks about a uh, an FBI, uh, not an FBI, but it's an FBI document that mm-hmm. talks about an LAPD cop that was on special assignment in Las Vegas from two days before Tupac and Suge were shot mm-hmm. until two days after uh, Tupac passed away. And he was dating Suge Knight's wife oh. at the time. Oh, hello. Isn't that just a little bit of a conflict? Yes. And, and so, yeah. you know, the FBI probably has the only files that exist anymore. Oh, I'm sure. I'm Las sure. Vegas police have probably destroyed the murder book of Tupac long ago. And so the only hope really is the FBI. And so what if everybody started tweeting? I think that's actually something that sure, could help us. And you know what? Hey, if, you know. We, we want answers. We yeah, want answers. We want answers. And you want to show that you're not racist, Donald right. Trump? I'll tell you that's what. Right. I, got a, I got a real good idea. Why don't you solve this murder? Can you imagine if he did? Oh my God. Why don't you solve the Biggie Smalls murder? Right. And Donald Trump, you know, he he's from New York. Yeah. And he's not too far from Valletta Wallace. And he knows he people. Could, he knows people. He could reach out to her. Yeah, he could. He knows, he knows people. He knows people. I mean, well, there are people, that, listen, there are people that, and, you know, um, Greg Kading was one of them. Uh, I don't agree with his politics, but he was one of the people that said that you can close, and I think you've Russ said this, you can close a murder case without a conviction. Yes. You can close it. You can say, we absolutely know all of the facts okay. to the case. However, because of all the people that have died, yeah. it's impossible to bring this person uh, to trial because under our laws in the United States, they are allowed to face their accusers. Oh, so if Frank okay. Alexander, for example, identified someone or Yafu Fula, yeah. For example, Yafu Fula gave a description of the driver of the vehicle. Wow. And it was a very good description of the driver of the vehicle. Okay. And one of the people that we talk about in the documentary happens to be very close match to that description mm-hmm. that Yafu yeah. Fula gave. Right. Now, does that mean the person would be convicted? No, but you can't because he wouldn't be able to face his accusers. Right. And, right. and so the police have a way of closing this okay. without a conviction, but it just takes... The truth, yeah, and they can do it. They could do it. I think. I think they can do it. Yep. But just you say, you just don't want to. I just, I just. There's nothing. There's nothing in it for them to do it, right? right. Well, there's, there's that. But again, like I said, if you're going to tell the truth, at least the truth as we see it, right? You're going to have to make some statements that may not go well with people who like to think of 
cops in a certain way. Right. I think I don't think you're fooling anybody nowadays. Yeah, you know, in the last you know yeah. couple of years, especially, yeah. you're not fooling anybody to say, "Oh, really, corrupt cops?" Well, that's yeah. a novel thought. Right. Uh, you know, never heard that before. Um, I, yeah, I don't. Th- I think we're a little more jaded that yeah. way. But at the same time, there's a big jump from that to killer cops. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they were, but I'm just saying that making yeah. that notion or saying you're not really safe at night because the very guy that you think is watching yeah. your back <laughs> is shaking people down, stealing money, and doing other right. things. That, right. It's just not a, uh, it's a bitter right. pill to swallow. Right. So I think that part of the reason the cops won't close this, this is just my opinion, one of the reasons they won't close it is because to get to the truth, you would have to make certain admissions. Oh, my God. And those could lead to civil trials, and yeah. those admissions are there. So, right. so that's really... I don't think it... Believe me, I don't think it's that they don't want to. You think Las Vegas wants to keep this case hanging over their heads? I don't think so. I don't right. think LAPD does either. Right. But the problem is, and they know, it's easier to keep it open and mystery mm-hmm. than it is to close it with certain admitted facts. And until that happens... You know, maybe we do an amnesty program. We're just <laughs> oh just God. tell us the truth, and you know, we, right. we won't we won't do anything. Right, to you. Exactly just tell right. us the so truth, truth, damn it! You know, know, some public amnesty. You know, you know. I just, I just, I mean, to me, it's just like cops like, come again, clean day. It's just if only if these police marks just imagine if they solved the case, admit it, like they could solve the case. How amazing all the, the publicity would get, everything would, it would come with it. Yeah. Well, you know, if they if they did it, but you're right. Well, with doing that, they're also creating themselves in some way too. So I guess it must be a really weird. Their admissions, right? Yeah, they can't there would really... have to be there would have to be certain admissions. Yeah, because again, like I we show in the documentary, each one of these things are built on pillars. Yeah, they're each yeah. built on on a structure that if any one of those pillars is gone, it collapses. Yeah, yeah. So you really have to have those pillars, and one of them would be in our opinion, admissions of certain people yeah. that certain uh, things were not done right. according to Hoyle. Right, yeah, right. You know, so, so you can't really, so you would no. get the praise for, it. you'd be known for solving it, but then it's like, you're probably part of the whole corruption of it, so. And, right, and then of course that becomes the civil liability yeah, that right. we're talking so, about, yeah. and we're back to the money again. You are back to the money again. Yeah, it's like, you're right, right, back to the money again. I didn't, I didn't think I was doing that. Follow yeah. the money. Follow, yeah, always. <laughs> that's that's the life money. isn't a period, isn't it? Follow yep. money. But no, I, I literally just now, as we're talking, I'm now we are back to the money. Yep. Well, and one thing Gordon Martins told us was, he told us that in Las Vegas, you can buy your way out of that town. Well, I believe it. And he said, on the Tupac thing, he said, uh, you know, if, if there was money there, he said, they would have participated for sure, Las Vegas police. Well, I believe it. In, in the murder. And, uh, and he said, there was money there. I believe it. So... But money from the wrong people. Really? Yeah, because sure. because at the end of the day, and this really makes me sad, in the Tupac Shakur killing, the reward for his any information leading to an arrest came from one source, and that was Crime Stoppers, and it was a five hundred dollar reward. The family, the friends, the people that said they cared about Tupac and wanted to see all this justice and you know justice. Yeah. And yeah. Not a single one of them put up a dime. There you go. You know, they nobody did. And it's not so much the fact that we would, you know, expect them to, you know, pay any more than anybody else would, but at the same time, that's how cases get right, broken. Right, you right, know, somebody right. comes forward with, with that information. This is amazing. It's like almost like you go around in circles. It's like, okay, well, we know who the killer is, but we can't really announce it because it creates these people and they're part of it and it's just it's all like But that's why you have to have the false narrative. Yeah. The, the, the false narrative to me is the lullaby that gets sung at night to a child to put them to sleep okay. so that they can sleep comfortably knowing right. that everything is good, everything is peaceful. There was a guy who killed another guy, but now he's dead himself. Right. And everybody around him is dead. And all right, these bad right. people, they're not around anymore. I mean, you imagine tucking your child into bed and saying, hey, you see that guy driving down the street right there? You don't know about him. He's a little shady. Right, right. Uh, you know, that doesn't make people feel really no, good at, at all, night. No, not at all. So, you know, so that's why the false narrative has to continue. And and, uh, we tried to do our best to explain the genesis of the false narrative, the derivations of of the the false narrative, and, um, you know, where it is now. Yeah. And it's it's in a scary place right now. The the false narrative, the official story is, you know, they're trying to get a series on USA going with this narrative. And it's it's a frightening concept because it's very easy 
to try to write your way into codifying in the public yeah. mind a particular way of thinking right. when there's not a lot to support that way of thinking. You guys, the book is Tupac eight, or 187, The Red Knight, if you want to start just this whole journey. For you guys who are new to maybe seeing them for the first time, not assuming everybody's seen my shows, or you've seen them, haven't seen them, check out the book, is really good, first of all. Documentaries, the new one's called Tupac Assassination um, Battle for Confidence, will be coming out on the 10th. Everywhere, just look for it everywhere. Thank you, guys. I mean, it's just like, again, now I feel like walking, I'm feeling frustrated walking out the door. I'm like, I think you'll give me a drink or something after this. Well, I can tell you this. If you're going to spend three ninety nine, I mean, a two and a half hour movie yeah. for three ninety nine, you're getting your bang for your yeah, buck. You are. You're getting a whole lot of movie. For and if, if you really are a fan of Tupac and really are, really want to know some stuff, please you know, watch it. If you're a fan of hip hop, or if you're just a fan of just like you know criminal investigations, it's it's for everybody. I mean, it's something for everybody out there. And it's just it's really well done for these guys. Where can they find your social media? I forgot to tell you, in that camera. Where can they find your social media? Um, at Michael D. Carlin on Twitter. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, Tupac Assassination Battle for Compton has a page on Facebook. Go on there. We're always talking about things, and I'm really excited because after we get going with the movie dropping, yeah. there's going to be a ton of conversations. Sure. So, yes. you know, so stay tuned. It's Facebook. And anybody that has leads for us, please send them over. Absolutely. We appreciate please. anybody who sends any of that stuff over. And if, you, and, if you, and if you somehow just can't find them, you can find me. Go to the Breaking Inchy page. You can send me a message. I'll pass it on to them. I know how to contact them, of course. You can send anything to me. I'll, actually, I'll post the Tupac... Um, assassination on our page too so people can just link to it and go to it of course and of course I'm James Lott Jr. and they'll be back another time we'll, we'll keep, this is going to be going on for a while but this isn't, this isn't over, over yet at all by any means and thank you for watching I'll see you next time from producers Maria Menounos Dario Kristen Tiana Hobson Kevin Undergaro and the entire BHL crew we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.